Welcome to the Catering Feed, the Catering Growth Podcast, a show about growing your catering business and restaurant industry trends, powered by EasyCater. I'm your host, Genevieve Babineau, and I am here today with Melanie Frost from Essa Bagel. Melanie is the COO of Essa Bagel. It is a family business, and Melanie's got about 25 plus years in marketing and sales with a finance background, and just about five years ago, took over leading Essa Bagel. So I am delighted to have you here today, Melanie. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Happy to be in New York with you. Happy to have you here. Excited. So, Melanie, Essa Bagel has a cult following. The first time I walked into an Essa Bagel, I had to kind of push through the crowds to find you because there was a line out the door and a raptor on the corner. Is that a normal occurrence? Uh, I have to say, yes. Um, <laughs> and really, it, it, it started many years ago. I mean, Essa Bagel is a New York institution, and my aunt really started the business over 40 years ago and really created that. So I'm so excited to have you here today to talk about how can independent business owners, maybe with a smaller chain, take that cult evangelism and totally scale it through the power of catering and creating a digital presence. So we're so happy that you're here. Before we dive in, though, as always, we got to start off with some news. And the hottest news trend right now is talking about Bagelgate. And I can't think of a better person to get your perspective on it. Uh, just to keep our listeners uh, updated, recently there was a man from St. Louis who posted on Twitter about the St. Louis secret, which is vertically sliced bagels. And New Yorkers were outraged. Twitter went ballistic. So I, this is our moment to hear the Essa Bagel COO's official comment. What are your thoughts? I was appalled. appalled. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely appalled. So walk me through that. Like the Senate minority leader, Chuck Schumer, was tweeting about it. The New York City chief of detectives wrote, thank you for reporting this crime to all of his Twitter followers. What is with the fervor around bagels? Talk to me. I'll tell you. Bagels are literally, like I said, a New York institution, yeah, and people way of love their bagels. It is. It, it, it's really part of society here, in New York, like specifically. And we take our bagels very seriously. So when, you know, you slice a bagel straight down the middle, that's it, vertically, with a little schmear and some locks, and that's the way it goes. So when you start to change that, I mean, it's like a loaf of bread when you slice it that way. We, we just don't do that. So here's the question, is all press good press? Or was that, if you get associated with the wrong bagel etiquette, was that probably a bad move on that brand's perspective? Well, you know, it depends. I guess, you know, New Yorkers feel very strongly about their bagels. And actually, um, the truth is, we're a little bit, you know, proud of them. And we feel we are the experts on it, <laughs> quite frankly. So when someone goes and I mean, we, we do feel out of state that yeah. very often people are not as familiar as of the New York bagel. So after Bagelgate erupted on the internet, what was the backlash for Essa Bagel? Did you hear anything as a result or? Absolutely. We were swarming with calls and we had different <laughs> news stations calling us. They came in. They wanted to interview us. What was our feeling on it? They wanted to speak to the customers and get their thoughts. Yeah, it was crazy. 
Well, this really is a perfect transition because our whole goal for today's podcast is to share how in your career you've built fervor, how your family has created evangelism and a cult following. And I think it's pretty clear that already people care a lot about bagels. So it's, it's a great opportunity for us to talk about why they care so much about Essa bagels. So I'd love if you could share just a quick background on how this has been a family business since 1976. Yep. So my aunt started the business many years ago. Uh, my uncle, who was her bro- who is well, who was her brother, um, actually had a donut shop in Brooklyn, and they weren't renewing the lease. And he had three kids to support. And my aunt said, "Don't worry, we're going to figure this out." And literally, they combed the papers, and as they were going through the papers, they found a bagel shop. And my aunt said, "Donuts, bagels. They both have holes. We'll figure it out." <laughs> Really, that's how it started. That should be on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> not a bad logo. Yeah, that's not bad for the logo. But really got involved with the business. I mean, I was working on Sundays, but really got very involved with the business about five years ago um, when unfortunately my aunt passed away and my mom and I stepped in. And this has been, you know, also a family business for years. My cousins are involved. My sister has worked there. It's just been really all about family. And that was my aunt's legacy as well. And when I stepped in, it was really a matter of taking it to the next level. I have to say, the first time I walked into Anessa, that was so obvious from the way your team, you all treat each other like family. It's like walking into like a New York family reunion when you walk down the back of line to the way then your team treats the customer to the way that you're so proud of your food. I mean, it's really evident that in all three areas, you bring that love to everything that you do. Do you think that the kind of New York community responded to that? And that's how that word of mouth started to spread? I, I You know, I think it's a combination of things. Um, I think, first of all, she definitely did, started that local, you know, every, everybody in the neighborhood coming by. And then, you know, it just, the word spread and we get people from all over the world coming. And, um, and we're very fortunate about that. And so it was just really word of mouth. And then from there, um, it, it, it really just expanded. I mean, and then, you know, she used to do a few shippings a day, but now we're doing, I mean, she maybe had one or two a week. Now we're doing up to 150 a day. When she was first shipping that catering out, was it a profitable opportunity for her? No, it really wasn't because the actually the shipping costs more than the bagels. Oof, that's, that's a rough, <laughs> yeah. that's a rough uh, financial yeah. decision. <laughs> So then when you came on board and started to support her, what were your first steps to capitalize on catering? So the first thing that we did is we really took a look, you know, we computerized everything because it was a mom and pop, which she, you know, again, it it was wonderful. But we wanted to take to the next level and we started uh, creating a database of all of our clients. So she started out with, you know, 80. I mean, she had a business of catering. It's not like she, I mean, she had a very good business of catering and they were orders that were coming in every day. Um, but this was a way for us to go back to current clients, existing clients, and you know find out how things were going, meeting with them, getting out there, and actually doing tastings. So they really knew the different types of products that we had. Some people weren't even aware that we did lunch. you know. So um, it was really, and also connecting with your clients, I think is really important. It's amazing how often 
even a, you know, really cult following customer may not even know that a brand caters. Like yes. just to make sure that you're telling that new brand story, that you're sharing that offering is so key. Absolutely. And we've had that experience where people weren't even aware, especially of certain products that we had. I think it's interesting how you've really taken advantage of the uniqueness of your trade area. You have both a lot of local community followers, but you're also an incredibly touristy area. So what are the opportunities and challenges of the tourism? Yeah, so we do. We're, we're fortunate in that way. We have a lot of hotels around the area, and we actually cater to a lot of hotels. I wow. mean, I'm, every morning, I mean, we're working with some of the most high-end, very high-profile hotels in the city. And, you know, who doesn't want their breakfast from Mesa Bagel? <laughs> <laughs> and how did those relationships start with those hotels? I mean, truly, my aunt started that. And then um, really was just going out there and sharing with them and, and, and really even coming by and dropping off some bagels and saying, hey, have you tried them? And, you know, I actually had a call one day from a very, you know, high profile hotel that said, hey, we're switching our bagels. You know, you had dropped some by, you know, we're ready to switch. Good old fashioned food drops. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty and calls. I think phone calls are really important. I think email has become like the new way everyone does everything, but no one has that personal touch anymore. So I think it's really important to pick up the phone. Were you starting to see your customers shift as tourism expanded? And where are most of your customers coming from? I have to say they come from all over the world internationally. I mean, my aunt did have two kiosks in Japan a couple of years, you know, when she was in business, really. I mean... <laughs> They, I mean, we were in the Japanese airlines. I mean, it really, people from all over the world. And then truly through our shipping, too, um, we got a lot of, you know, people who weren't even aware, but through our online e-commerce business, we really, people from all over the country were um, shipping. And now we do every anywhere from uh, 50 to 150 shippings a day. Wow. It's, I think a lot of brands who are in a touristy area struggle because you can give someone a great first-time guest experience, but then you might not see that incremental traffic. If they're only there on vacation or they then go back home, I think a lot of brands sometimes struggle to think, how are we going to keep sales flowing? But it seems like your e-commerce business is how you address that exact problem. Yeah, we partnered with a company, as I mentioned earlier, we, you know, we weren't able to do because it, it was just way too expensive. But we partnered with a company called Goldbelly and they handle all the food purveyors throughout the country. And, you know, now, like I mentioned, we do anywhere from 50 to 150 shippings a day. And we have packages that we can send across the country. And then when people come to New York, they're so excited they because they just it. got their shipping <laughs> from Mesa Bagels. So that e-commerce also serves as a marketing channel. Yes, yes, yes. Really interesting. How do you stay in touch telling that brand story through social media? Uh, you know, we, we actually capitalized on that. Um, you know, when my aunt, again, started the business, we had, again, it was a lot of word of mouth and things like that. But I think social media is critical to your business. So, I mean, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we're continually sharing our story and also sharing, you know, whatever, you know, doing contests, things like that, but always being out there, always answering your uh, clients, customers as well. Do you think you've been able to mimic the cult following you have in the community on social? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. 
Yeah. Tell us more about ways that you're doing that. I love the contests. What else are you doing to stay engaged with that social media following? So I think the contests, I think packages that we're offering, I think just even just saying, you know, saying Happy New Year or, you know, Happy Thanksgiving. People really appreciate that. You have a new location opening in Madison Square Garden coming up. It's congratulations, Thank first you. of all. Thank you. How are you using social to get the community excited and tease them about what's to come next for the brand? Um, I think it's really important to tell a story. So we actually started the Facebook page early when we really when we started construction, so people can follow the story, can see how the um, store has been built. Can you, you spoke to the importance of responding to all of your customers through mm-hmm. social. I think we would never have a guest talk to us in a restaurant and turn our back, but very often because of limited resources, a brand has a social media page, but isn't talking back. So how crucial has that been to your success? It's really very, very important. I think, you know, I have a great team and also sometimes I go online and just I'll answer, you know, myself because it's so important. I mean, this is your business. These are the people that are making business. These are the loyal customers. And especially, you know, of course, you're going to have, you know, people who love you and then you're going to have people who not necessarily they had a bad experience that those are the most important people to actually respond to. What is that process for guest recovery when someone has a bad experience? So, you know, um, we've done it where we've answered people and then um, said, you know, please come to the store, ask to speak with the manager. And I've had people who've come in and, you know, either we, you know, offer them something or really want to know, again, what happened and how we can actually fix that. And that's that's what we share with them. My favorite game to play when I was in operations was when you'd have either an angry customer or someone mm-hmm. who thought they had yeah. previously had a bad experience and you have that opportunity to flip exactly. them. I think there's a twisted little part of me that loved that so much. It's funny you, you say that, Genevieve, because I feel the exact same way. And I always, something I always say to, um, especially in catering yeah. specifically, always turn a problem into a solution. Ah, amen. So, I mean, you know, we have things happen, you know, something could be late or you, sure. you just never know. And it's really taking care of the customer, making sure people just want to know that you're listening and that you care. And by the time you do that and you're really responding to their problem, they're open to anything. Actually, I've, you know, turned that into opportunities where we've done tastings and where, you know, we've come in and met with them and things like that. I think sometimes when you're able to flip the script on that bad experience, it actually creates a deeper loyalty. Completely. I couldn't agree with you more. So how do you keep and maintain that level of hospitality as you scale your e-commerce business and your digital presence? Yeah, I, I think that's, I think it's, it, I think it's hard. I do. Um, I think it's a matter of as you grow and, and you see these opportunities, it's, you know, knowing what you know you don't know and also really being able to access people who know the business. I mean, um, we've partnered with Easy Cater and it's been amazing. Um, It's been seamless for us. And that's really important is to have those partnerships and also to just expand on, you know, people who have the expertise. Share for leaders who are interested in expanding their business into e-commerce or wholesale, what are the key elements that you look for when you're choosing a partner? Uh, I, th- I think it's a combination of things. I think that it's um, the, re- the relationship itself um, and building that and really being able to learn from your partners and expose yourself as much as possible. What keeps you up at night? What are the things? Oh, you- everything. <laughs> 
as you're dreaming about next steps for Essa, is there a moment where you say, all right, we've done enough? Never. No. <laughs> I just never. I just, you know what? It's also the legacy to my aunt, you know, right. to me, it's, it's really a matter of like making her proud. And also it's just, it, it's just that love, you know, and also seeing the people who've been with us so long grow. What would your advice be to other small business owners who have that local cult following and they want to figure out how do we scale this? How do I get in front of new customers? What's your advice to them? I think it's really, you know, um, talking to your customers, getting to know who they are, um, asking them questions, finding out as much as you can and really being there for them and, you know, exposing them to all of the things that you have to offer and finding a way to do that. It's really cool how an old school family business tactic leads to opportunities to grow your digital space and presence and your e-commerce business and yes. fully expand your catering. It's it's a really cool way to balance old tactics that are tried and true and also still be evolving with technological exactly. advancement. I, yeah, I think that's a really important point to make because I think you have to I think it's really important to keep up with the trends and also to constantly change and grow. I'm, I'm a big believer in, I always like change. So it's really being able to evolve and, you know, not standing still. And at the same time, use what works. Your aunt was sending out one to two catering shipments a week. And you mentioned that at that point, the, the packaging and shipping costs were more than the bagels were worth. What made you decide to reevaluate that e-commerce business and start to really invest in it? Um, you know, we had clients calling. We had people coming in, calling, asking, hey, we, you know, we live in Utah. We live in Alaska, even, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. We live in California. We really want to get your bagels, and there's nowhere like your bagels, and we really want them. And so we weren't able to fulfill that need. If I was to have Essa Bagel shipped to my office, which, by the way, I'm definitely planning on doing now, uh, what would it look like when it shows up? So each bagel is wrapped individually. Um, we do use gel packs for the to keep things cold. Uh, and it is, again, the next day. So, um, you know, it's fresh. You might only have three brick-and-mortar locations, but what needs are you able to meet with e-commerce? Um, I think that a lot of, you know, it's great because you really expose yourself a tremendous amount and nationally. Um, you know, you may have the New Yorker who, uh, a New York transplant who lives somewhere else now and they can't get a good bagel. Um, <laughs> they need it, a hit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or you may have somebody who just wants to send a present to a close friend or a family member that wants to have something that's iconic New York. What's better than a bagel? And, Last but not least, well, actually, two things. One, you know, we also have inquiries now from companies who are saying, look, we want to have bagel breakfast, you know. Um, and then last but not least, we've got our celebrities. We're very Stop happy. it. Yeah. I'm really happy to say that Goldie Hawn and Kate Hudson love our bagels as well. <laughs> so everywhere from New Yorkers who are just missing a great thing to celebrities, not half bad. It sounds like having e-commerce has really helped you expand to a whole new set of customers. So we are so grateful that you were able to join us today. I think so many of our listeners are really going to relate to your story and to see what's possible with catering. So thank you so much, Melanie. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was so happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the catering feed powered by Easy Cater.